Hey everyone, welcome to Simplexity, where we simplify the complexities of life and bring a little curiosity and contemplation to meaningful and sometimes difficult conversations. I'm your host, Allison Stoner. Today, we're venturing into the wonderful world of human ambition, and it's a special episode because we recorded on location in downtown San Francisco with the one and only Alicia Montano. She's the perfect person to discuss dedication, motivation, and courage with because she's an Olympian. She's a national champion. She's been one of the top three runners in the entire world. And if that's not enough, she ran while she was pregnant and won multiple titles just a few months postpartum. A quick disclaimer, we had several unexpected and also unavoidable tech issues in this makeshift studio, but I couldn't let her wisdom fall by the wayside, so kindly tune out the glitches and tune into her message. Enjoy. Alicia, thank you for being on Simplexity. Thank you for having me, Allison. This is an exciting time because we've been hanging out all day. All day. You we got more time with me. So should we first tell people our unusual connection? Mm, I think that would be a great place to start. I'm down. Okay. Allison and I have known each other for a really long time. My cousin dated your sister, Corey. Yes. It's like very, very young. Allison, you were... Eight or nine. Yeah. yeah. And I just remember deciding I was going to support you in your oh, well, career. Mm-hmm, you know what you. I'm saying? And then you were on like all the music videos and I always was like, yeah, I know her when actually I don't like really know you. It's by way of like 17 degrees. So that's basically how we know each other that's from uh, dating cousins so unusual. and sisters. Yeah, right. Yeah, but. So I'm, I'm hesitant to list all of your accolades mm. because I'd rather focus on the human you've become in order to accomplish those things. However, when I was researching your history and all of the different highlights, I noticed that even with your unfathomable drive and work ethic and talent, it didn't automatically guarantee that you were landing in first place every time, but you continued to work through the obstacles, rise to the top, and then once you got there, instead of just being like, all right, we're, we're settling, continued to train, and so I just want to sort of go through some of your mm. cool accomplishments. Ooh, in high school, you were number 10 in the nation. True or false? I didn't even know that. I'm going to go ahead and say true. true. In college, third at the NCAA Women's Outdoor Track and Field Championships. Eh? Uh, I won, okay. Oh, I, yeah, no, no, I got oh, that in there later. But where's third? Okay, fine, yes. In, tw- in 2007, okay, the, you the, went the, on a winning streak. Yes, that's right. Okay, mm-hmm. good. NCAA indoor championship, outdoor championship, you broke the two-minute barrier. You got your first national title. Hmm. In 2010 and 11, you won international medals. You competed in the freaking 2012 Olympics. Yes. And, I mean, the list goes on. It carries on and on and on and on. It d- you made me feel like a little bit of a brat, though, when I was like, actually, I won nationals. No. But I thought it was, like, the one bullet point to it. So, everybody, I promise, I actually probably finished third, fourth, fifth several times in the NCAA. No worries. <laughs> the fact that you can even say that and it be reality is funny to me. Uh, what was your deepest desire that kept driving you all these years? Why didn't you settle? Mm. I am not sure if it's like a deep perfectionism Hmm. that is just part of who I am. But I also feel like I am proud of my condition being someone who wants to do A plus work 
sometimes mm-hmm. it is sabotage to want that all the time. I, I've been very naturally aware of that feeling of being and what makes me feel alive. Mm. And I think that pursuit of vitality. of vitality of better than your best, even though it's so cliche, but it's true, has kind of helped me reach this my idea of success okay whether it was you know fifth place at olympic games it ends up being you know bronze medal right you did the dopers oh yeah we're gonna talk about that yeah do you think if you won first place automatically you would have continued or would mm. that have uh, maybe interrupted that additional drive Ooh, this is like a little deep here where i think in childhood i won a lot of races so i do also think there's partly conditioned to that where it's like this is what is expected of me as well obviously I, regardless i'm just gonna say i do want to do be the best <laughs> but at the same time when it comes to first place i just started unpacking this some of the drivers that would instill fear was this fact that you finish first place and have been the best at so many things. And I'm saying being the best for everybody listening because sport is very quantitative. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to say, you know, if I win this, I was the best that day. Mm-hmm. Not saying like, you know, I'm the best in the world, best rep our lap, you know, like not like that. <laughs> but I went into the college scene where the competition was exponentially greater than what I'd experienced right. in, in from a high school level. And I had to almost start from ground zero where I wasn't yes. the best. Like I remember finishing last in my first race in indoor. I've never run an indoor track meet before. And how was that on the ego? Very humbling, Ooh. very humbling, but right. also like head down and like, you got You need to do more or you need to figure out where the faults were. So you have a high internal locus of control. You yeah. take responsibility, you create accountability and you say, this is up to me yeah. to change the fate. Yeah, my level of discipline has mm-hmm. helped me, but I also think, again, it's there's condition to it too because I sure. was involved in sports and for a very long time where people are expecting for me to, to be on top. You know, right. then going into the college scene and after my third year ending up finishing first place having a perfect season going into a professional career track I felt like there were so many firsts that came with it I ended up being national champion seven times when you know from in the entertainment industry when everybody's looking at you all eyes on you and competitions kind of starting to line up and look like it can be a, a real competition I did feel like that's where anxiety would set in Absolutely. at its highest yes. you know um, of course it's fun and easy when it's fun and easy there are so many extreme behaviors that go around it too sometimes when the anxiety kicks in then other coping mechanisms kick in even if that's not like a vice like drugs or you know drinking for, for an athlete it's easy for people to be like oh wow you have to stay in tip-top shape you must be perfectly healthy but at the same time they don't know what the other vices are whether that's perfectionism whether that's numbing out and Mm -hmm. or isolating or isolation yeah i mean especially with running like that's Mm -hmm. uh, to me from the outside it seems like that can be a lonely Mm -hmm. sport because you are your team in Mm -hmm. many ways right Mm -hmm. yeah and you're doing your best to protect your zone you know yeah talks about the zone and um, and it's very easy from an individual sport perspective to allow for outside influence to tell you about yourself yeah. in a negative way. Because I come in and I'm like Sasha Fierce when I roll up in there. And yeah. Beyonce, not to trademark, I'm so sorry, please don't sue me. I'll go in the mirror and it's so funny. And you know this from performance, right? You go in and you're telling yourself, yeah, you the best. Yeah, you the fastest. You know, and so that's how I would come out. And instead of the affirmations being this positive thing, 
it would also turn into this isolating thing. I think people see those national titles back to back to back to back. And I want for people to know that it wasn't as clean and clear as it looked, you know, Mm -hmm. there was isolating moments. And I think in my first couple of years, it didn't feel like it to me. I just felt like I'm doing what I have to do. Mm -hmm. No to that wedding, no to the blah, blah, blah. No, there's so many no's to these things that people talk about. Well, these are sacrifices that you make for that. And I just, I think that it dehumanizes Um, athletes and ultimately at the end of the day I think there's there I found out there was a better way to have balance that's incredible Mm. we know that losing and failure are inevitable parts of life and yet we do everything we can to avoid them Um, but for me I've learned that failure is actually the thing I need to pursue because it Mm. means I'm doing something Mm -hmm. new or or challenging it seems that the champion mindset involves greeting failure with either grace or knowing how to convert it into fuel Mm -hmm. how do you approach failure so that it's merely just another step to Mm -hmm. success i think there's a mix of both i have been able to take um or at least practice taking failure with grace i think that is the benefit of being in the spotlight with failures Hmm. you know the cameras are on you so you can't be like you know it's like interesting okay you know you're thinking what would be the most positive response this would be a service to myself and my competitors and how would I appreciate somebody handling me. I like to acknowledge the great things that came out of this race and it would be the competitor that beat me. And I remember one of the hardest races in 2013, it was like my third go round at a medal position. And I had some voices infiltrate my thought process. Final round of 2013 um, world championships in Moscow, Russia. And I just like went out like I normally do, but then I like pressed on the gas too early. That's a two lap race that I run, run 800 meters, everybody. Um, <laughs> after the first lap, you know, you need to, it's like a life lesson. You need to maintain composure. And I think I did. And then you also need to pace yourself for the final push. But I felt like I took the final push too early. I got too anxious and I ran out of gas literally with 50 meters to to go. And that has never happened to me ever. And Mm. I remember praying (laughs) to whatever. I was like Like a deep carnal cry. Somebody like universe, whoever you are, rock mountain. I was like, please don't let me walk. Because I really felt like I was going to walk. This is like a world championship. I have the best runners in the entire world. This is like a very small percentage of people even make it here. And I'm winning this race. Finally, like looking at a medal. And I am toe stepping. (laughs) And I'm seeing one runner pass me. Another runner passed me. And it's like, okay, first and second. I'm still third. And I'm seeing the line. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like wide-eyed. And I'm going to lean and then a third runner. And I don't know if I finished third or Mm. fourth at this moment in time. And if you can just cover your ears with your hands and just imagine that hollowness in your head, that's what I was experiencing at the end of this race, you know, Mm. and I'm just laying on the track. In the great void. In the great void with so many people around you. I'm in a packed stadium thinking, I... Hope when I look up there, it says third, Alicia Montano. And I look up there and it says fourth, Alicia Montano. And I have to tell you, those that moment was like great anguish. Um, and I laid there, to be honest. You can go back and look at it and there's footage. And there's a beautiful photo of me just laying on the track. And my competitor, who was a rookie, finished fifth place behind me. Now she's she's finished bronze medal, made an Olympic team. She's broke the American record in the 800. She's incredible. Ajay Wilson, whoop, 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 uh, whoop. shout out, huge fan. 
she came up to me in her amazing gracefulness and rubbed my back and was like, you know, told me you're incredible. You see a great job. Pat, Pat walked away. There was a photo of that too. And, um, wow. The, right. And I, and to me, it was a nice jolt out of that anguish to be like, so much more happened beyond me. I'm in my own voice right now. I'm in my own head right now. Cause that sucked what happened to me. But there's so many great things that just happened to these other people. And there was a 800 meter runner, our own countryman, Brenda Martinez, who finished in third place. And I had to pull myself up to say, Brenda, great job. She got the bronze medal and she's a US athlete and she's a teammate. And it was so much to be honest in that moment to think about someone else other than myself. Mm. But that's where that moment I thought about with Grace when I was like, it was that jolt from that other athlete, to be honest. It wasn't just me to think, yeah, so much more just Take happened beyond me, you know? And and then with that is also the drive, like the, the architect, you know, you're deconstructing it and then you want to reconstruct it so you can build a better model. Right. Just think it helped build my whole personness, to oh, be honest. And it's I beyond the two laps. I was riveted listening to that story. I'm over here like about oh. to cry. For those who don't know, you are known as the pregnant runner just like i'm known as the little white girl exactly yeah right isn't it fun to have yes, things that follow you around yep you have a beautiful family mm, you have lou you. you have linnea and aster yep. can you explain to me how you worked through the risks and the the sacrifices and adjustments of being a professional woman mm. athlete no less and then becoming a mother mm-hmm. something i think the industry is still working through the sports industry like uh, one this is a lot right so beginning in the industry there is a lot of glitz and glamour to the amazing things that can happen with it and i think that also helps in the case of ambition, right? It gives Mm. you something to go after. I mean, this is the industry. These are the tiers. And so in the sport world, we're looking at it from the perspective of a woman, the way that it has been constructed to be valued, sadly, as a woman has been like a single, more white Mm -hmm. female. Mm -hmm. So there's more to it is what I, I have noticed within the industry. And Coming in as a kid, it's fun. It's you know, it's fun, and there's like there's so many ladders to climb. So I think those are things that I didn't end up thinking about, right? When I did reach a professional career, which a small percentage of NCAA athletes do, there are these contracts that are in place that are standard for everyone. And the standardized contract basically would state that you know you you have to do X, Y, and Z. You yep. can get bonuses off of winning certain races, obviously nationally tiered races. These races called Diamond Leagues, and anything from World Championships to Olympics, you know you can re- win some prize money off of. So that's like you know you're basing your livelihood off of your body's condition winning, yep. and winning races. Right, it's like the 360 Disney mm-hmm, deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Carry on, and and you also with with these contracts, there are performance based reductions, mm-hmm. which you know there's part of you that's like, okay, there's a business. Obviously, they expect me to perform, but then there's like, I think there's there needs to be more um, recognition behind the humanness to it. Human things happen to humans. Right, I think is where it becomes really detrimental too. But it came to the point where I was under contract and. I did end up finding somebody who I loved and like gave me the girlfriend, like you and I boo, like forever. What you think about that? And I was like, okay, like let's do it. Um, <laughs> but we did talk family and um, I never was like, you know, I need to be married at this age, have kids by this age. I kind of was just doing my life. But it also threw me into the realities of 
my industry and the other parts and elements that were dehumanizing me um, and a large percentage of the other athletes. But I thought that I might be able to have a conversation about what was in it. And with what was in within these contracts were conditions that also took away your livelihood, your pay, um, if you basically were to become pregnant. Um, it was an injury clause. And so pregnancy and injury were... To bring your ass into the world? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you, okay, we cool. all came from... This is so crazy to me. And so in becoming married and talking about family is where I was like, hey, what would happen if I became pregnant? And I brought that to my sponsor at the time. And they told me, it's simple. We'll just stop paying you. We'll just pause your contract and stop paying you. And I'm over here like, okay, like, how do I come up against this conversation without making it seem like I'm immediately thinking about having children because now I don't want my contract to get cut. So it's this very tiptoey around the way. And life-threatening. Absolutely, exactly. For a black woman to be going through, perhaps going through pregnancy, I could get my pay paused and cut. I don't know what's going to happen at the other end of pregnancy. And health insurance as well is stripped, right? Yeah. The USOC also strips an athlete's insurance when they became pregnant. USATF, our governing body, our national governing body was also doing that, but we helped make legislation because it wasn't there that would protect female athletes when it came to our national governing body. And they have respected that and put in um, parameters. Yeah, and they changed policies. Yeah, they changed policies. But you were yeah. the fierce front runner of that. I, I, I hope so. I would say so. But the thing is, it's like these are conversations that I'm wondering why I'm a pregnant athlete that's coming to have these conversations. Where are the women that are within these industries? Because when these athletes sign these contracts, they are between the ages, like you talked about being a kid, you know, ages of 18 to 22. If you're lucky, you might be 25, but they grab you at a very young age and these contracts do not support your life flourishing (laughs) yeah especially a woman's life flourishing you know we are more typically (laughs) we are uh, the ones that are able to have children if we choose to Mm -hmm. right and so um, it was discriminatory and I started having those conversations I ended up leaving my former sponsor Nike Mm -hmm. and going to ASICS knowing that information but I also felt like I couldn't have that conversation with them I just basically wanted to change the terms of how long that injury was knowing how negative that conversation was I was like I still need to get paid I just left this other company and I would still like to be able to pursue this as my job right Um, and that's where we are now where you know I was like you know what the fact that we have to be fearful when it comes to being the human that we are um, I have the choice to become a mother and the condition should not for my livelihood and my, my ability to be an athlete should not be based on the fact that I do become one right Ooh. I just spoke for a long time. No, it Did was you guys great. Pick up what I was putting down. Yeah, all of it. I'm holding all of it right now. <laughs> I love that in this righteous retaliation, you come back postpartum and you win. <laughs> you win the national championship six months postpartum and then another national championship at 10 months while mm-hmm. nursing. Then you showed up to the world championships in Beijing, China, still nursing. Mm-hmm. You pumped for 10 days so you could ship your milk back to Linnea in mm-hmm. the States. Mm-hmm. What are your tricks to maintain that kind of mental mm. determination um, as well as physical discipline? I mean, mm-hmm. was it because there was so much riding on it that it was mm. like you kind of switched into that at any cost, mm. I'm doing it? Even then, I know it still takes a grit and a tenacity. Mm-hmm. How, 
how do you do it? Oh, I know you're asking these questions. I'm out here at therapy right now. Um, <laughs> I'm just man. your cheering section. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Thank you. Um, I, I think that it's true. We know there's fight or flight, right? And I, again, interviews are always like pat on the back. I'm a fighter, y'all. Well, that's important. It, that's a <laughs> distinction to make because I'm, I'm a fleer or a freezer. Mm. I'm neither mm. flight nor fight. Mm. I'm freeze. Mm. So if you are a fighter, mm. then how amazing that you said, I'm going to put myself mm. in a circumstance where that's going to be a strength mm-hmm. and an asset. But what I, yeah, and that's, I think, okay, this is where we're going to go to. Okay. I have always been more motivated by working with a team or for a team. Okay. I am self-motivated, but I like being on a team. Mm -hmm. Um, And that goes down to team sports. My favorite sport is soccer. Okay. I loved soccer. Second, I would have said is basketball. I happen to be fast at all of those. And then track was this individual sport that gave me an opportunity at an education at University of California, Berkeley. And it kind of just took off from there, right? So with that said, I think moving into professional sports made me very much individual on no team unless I made a U.S. team. And becoming a influencer of sorts where I knew that I had young Mm. um, athletes looking towards me. I, I was able to see my daughter as the seven, eight, nine year olds that would be like, what, what should, what do I do now? How did you get here? What do you know? And then I was able to see them now as a college athlete and then potentially moving into this industry and being like, I want them to know like they are bomb and don't let anybody tell you that you are unable because you are capable of whatever you decide you're capable of. And so I think it was more that um, that stance of like, oh, no, you're not going to tell me about myself. I didn't even have an opportunity to figure it out before they were telling me. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, you're not very valuable anymore because you've become pregnant. And, you know, so coming back after that was like, you know, my daughter's what, two months when I'm being told that I'm not going to have the same pay because right. I had her right. if I can't do X, Y, and Z. And it right. wasn't because they're telling me this. It's more because I'm like, oh, I didn't even know you didn't believe in me. Right. You know, but I do know I believe in myself and I want for everyone else to know that they should believe in themselves too. So cliche, but it's true. And when I saw myself on the track, I've always seen myself beyond the two laps. I always thought that they were purposeless, to be honest. And I felt like if I could be on this platform and I can create a piece of art is how I saw or I still see my running, Mm. you know, my pursuits of health and everything beyond that, I can ultimately help tell a story that can transcend beyond myself. I create a piece of art with my life. Boom. Yep. Something I want to talk about is Mm. integrity because Mm. you've been in multiple races where you placed at a certain, you know, number on the scoreboard initially and then due to doping and Mm -hmm. all kinds of other misbehaviors, Mm -hmm. people are disqualified. Mm -hmm. Now you're in a a sport, in an environment where people are trying to be essentially superhuman, right? They're Mm. pushing to maximum levels. Uh, That's happening everywhere in every industry. So how do you maintain integrity when you see other people being literally rewarded Mm. for compromising, for being a little snaky about mm-hmm. ish because mm-hmm. that's how I am with the entertainment industry I'm like oh if people only knew about their beloved little American hero mm-hmm. like the dirt the dirt mm-hmm. the dirt mm-hmm. but still I'm like well I'm not gonna do what they do to get there right I exactly. still want to s- succeed but how do you uh, how do you maintain integrity 
I think. Or do you? <laughs> or do you? Dun, dun, dun. Um, I mean, you using the word integrity is very amazing, like in terms of just like you kind of already put it out there. I think mm. honesty, integrity is how I choose to live my life. It's a choice. Mm. I don't think everybody chooses integrity. I do believe that in some way or another, whether it is physically, that you will be rewarded. Mm. Um, and I think holding on to that is what has kept me an honest athlete. Truthfully, if I didn't keep my honesty and my integrity, I wouldn't have been the upgraded athlete. I would have been one of the removed athletes. I don't think that there's glory in um, doing something untrue for a reward for a blip of yeah. time. Yeah. I don't know how anybody in my sport stands at the top of a podium knowing that they were untruthful I and with a tear in their eye. Oh. You know that, and just also at the, at the end of the day, what I think about honesty and integrity is. The trickle down. I think about the repercussions. You know, I'm I'm a product of the trickle down and the repercussions, and mm-hmm. you know the impact and the effect that it has on lives that aren't just my own. And I take that into my worldview. In the butterfly effect. I mean, we're not mm-hmm. just talking your family mm-hmm. or your community, but mm-hmm. like every single interaction with every stranger mm-hmm. goes on to ripple it into the world and the airwaves and becomes. Mm-hmm. A tsunami of yep. sorts. Yeah. yeah, and I'm gonna be honest. Like, it's not like from time to time. <laughs> Many times, I don't think. Why? Why did this happen to me this way? Like, you know, I could have had three medals that I would have seen, and I would have got those bonuses from this company, and then we struggled for two years, and mm. blah, 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 you know, the domino effect of sure. why me? You yeah, know. Yeah. Um, and then I think, and I'm like, actually, this had to happen to me because I'm the one that would be willing to speak out against the injustices. I'm the one that would be willing to put action into motion. I don't know, and I'm sure there's other people, but what I know about myself is that I, I am the person that would do that. And so it gives me great honor. Mm-hmm. That, that's a great word choice. I mean, it, it, it does, it does give me now, now. <laughs> I mean, growth happened, okay? Just gonna (laughs) let you guys know, like, overnight, it's... But I do really like to be contemplative Mm -hmm. every single day. Yeah. What is the quote, uh, an unexamined life is is not mm. worth limit living or mm. something like that it's obviously I know pro exactly. yeah. examination yes yeah <laughs> how about this one i and i don't want this to come out the wrong way because i feel like people listening might be you know possibly making excuses as to why well we're listening to an olympian you know mm-hmm. we're listening to a champion that's her not me i'm different she's mm-hmm. special she's mm-hmm. privileged she's she had luck on her side mm-hmm. but not me um those factors do have their place, mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but how can all of us find the path that is best for us and then stay motivated with mm. it? Ooh, I know, Doc, you better have an answer oh for this. Oh, my goodness. Solve our problems. Oh, my goodness. But also, how do we find the path that's best for us? Because mm-hmm. you seem to fit like a, a perfect puzzle piece mm-hmm. with your, your path. For me, I think intuition has been key. Hmm. I think we tend to quiet our voices. And I've also been victim of quieting that voice Mm. that is leading me to the life that is meant for me. Yeah. And so I just, I guess I would encourage people to tap into their intuition and don't be afraid of that, that, that urge that's actually pulling you to do something. You know, you talked about it actually in your podcast when you're talking, don't be enamored by like the glitz and the glamour. Like what's your heart telling you yeah and it, it again I keep you guys I'm the most cliche person on the planet I apologize it's great <laughs> I have always moved towards my intuition and the times I have not used my intuition I have gone towards what was easier and more convenient at the time has been a failure 
every single time. And I mean, I also will say, you know, there's sometimes when there's conflicting voices that also happens. Right. And that's where I feel like pause and contemplate, go back to pausing and contemplating and um, wrestle with yourself. Don't be afraid to quiet down and wrestle with yourself. I think that we are afraid of these voices that come in and we want for somebody else to figure out, you know, where we need to go next. Right. You have everything that you need inside of yourself. Yes. Everybody was born individually different on purpose. All right. All the takeaways. Everyone listening, write them down and use them as your mantras because I can't (laughs) keep track anymore. So what are the three keys to a champion mindset that can help us turn around our day, our lives, even if we're not trying to lead the pack or like be top dog? Mm. Hmm. This commercial break was brought to you by... Contemplating. (laughs) (laughs) I would say the three key champion mindsets. I think we talked about this examination. I think you should wake up every day examine where your mindset is be willing to reset it if you start the day off shitty mm-hmm. can i say shit on this podcast yeah why not <laughs> there's a um, first for everything mm-hmm. first place <laughs> in cursing <laughs> like you always have a chance to start over mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be tomorrow it doesn't have to be monday it doesn't have to be the first of the month you always have an opportunity to start over second would be construct your process to your day I don't think you always have to be so calculated, but I do think that it helps give you, I mean, even if you want to construct your day um, with two bullet points of mm-hmm. what you're hoping to accomplish, I think sure. setting, it's setting a goal, yeah. constructing, setting goal, same thing, right? Yeah. Um, and then the third thing would be belief. It goes back to, you know, you've got everything yeah. you need inside yourself. Believe that when you step out that door, if you choose to step out there, or when you set <laughs> forth to accomplish what you've constructed, that you'll be able to, you'll be able to make it happen. You'll be able to see it through. Yeah. So, uh, examine, construct, believe. Wow. Um, and yeah, you got it. Let's uh, let's finish it with this one. Yeah. Uh, in an environment that's often obsessed with achievements, mm-hmm. and you actually touched on this toward the beginning, um, it's important to recognize that true success goes far beyond this. Mm-hmm. What can we do to ensure we're not simply caught up in the rat race, but that we're running our own truest race mm-hmm. girl i mean you guys i'm just letting you know she's been taking me to church all day <laughs> and it, therapy it's just a question so whatever <laughs> but is it's popping so up in your contemplative head. it's beautiful yeah. it really is um a place to start would really look at being mindful mm. i think that's as trendy as the word mindful might be right now right yeah. it's because it's a need mm-hmm. you know i think that would ultimately allow for you to look at your impact being greater than yourself, mm. I think what ends up putting us in the rat race is because we're only looking at our um, our gain. Mm. What's my gain gonna be? Like, I don't, like, oh, you're you're bleeding right here next to me? That's cool, I'm gonna step over you right now because I'm on my way to this interview and I better get this job. Right. You know, or, you know, I'm already five minutes late for practice. If I stop and help this person, you know, that just got hit by a car, then I'm not gonna make it to my right. to my practice session. And yeah. I think if we can be more mindful of the world around us, um, we're actually gonna end up doing a better job of impacting for, like, you know, the greater good. Mm-hmm. And you, myself, and all you listeners, I think, mm-hmm. uh, 
will ultimately end up being better rewarded for your successes and however that shows up for you Mm -hmm. because you will be able to look back at your achievement in a way where you weren't stepping on other people to reach the top. Yeah. Instead you were, and you were able to like bring somebody up and, you know, basically be like, you know what? We coming together. Let's go. Yeah. I love the image of, um, someone standing on your shoulders mm-hmm. so they can see new, mm-hmm. new, new spaces yeah. you haven't seen. Yeah. I mean, there's space, there's space for everybody. I think sometimes it feels like, you know, if I, if she, if I tell homegirl, if I put her on about this, then right. I'm not going to be the one. Oh, that was me you know? for, for yeah. so long. Not not that I, it, it wasn't hard for me to encourage someone or give them credit. Mm-hmm. But when it came to introducing their feed on my feed on social mm-hmm. media, when I had a bunch of people in my ear saying, mm-hmm. if you do that, you're going to ruin your metrics and then mm-hmm. you're going to lose your job. And then mm-hmm. you're going to, uh, now I'm like, no, 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 no. We celebrate everyone along yes. the way. And wherever that lands me, that's fine. I don't even need to be first place in this race if, yes, if we're exactly. all getting closer to a better goal and reality for everyone. That's right. And when you end up looking back at everything, you're more proud of all of that. Like I said, the first place, when I look back at those two laps, it's been way more purposeful for me than I ever thought it was when I first began my career. And I'm so grateful for that in that way. Yeah. Wow. This is so good. Mm. We're going to pause there. Thank you so much for joining. I'm leaving you with Allison. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Okay. Wow. There are so many takeaways for this week. Um, I love so many things that Alicia shared. I'm going to say each mantra twice and then you can repeat it in the space for the third. Um, Use these mantras to just boost your day, your week, your month, or even your year. And I'm gonna stop now. So the first one, I acknowledge the good in failure. I acknowledge the good in failure. Second, I pace myself for the push. I pace myself for the push. Third, I am building a new model for my life. I am building a new model. Fourth, I create a piece of art with my life. I create a piece of art with my life. Thank you so much for listening to Simplexity. I'm so glad to be having these conversations with you all. It would mean so much if you could take a second to rate and review this podcast. And if you haven't already, click subscribe to be first to hear each week's episode. I'm Allison Stoner, signing off on Simplexity. It's anything but small talk. Peace.